Amen. Thankful for that. We're turning to the book of Matthew, chapter 20 and verse 6. Matthew, chapter 20 and verse 6. Amen. I may want to hear the word of the Lord today. Matthew 20 and verse 6. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? He went out in the eleventh hour and found folks standing idle. And he said, Why are you standing here all day doing nothing? You're wasting the day. You're wasting the day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. We know that the day represents our chance of opportunity. The night cometh when no man can work. And the Bible says Jesus told a story about a man that went out to gather laborers and he said at the eleventh hour, why are you still idle? You still got time. I want to preach today from this thought. I guess I've entitled this message that nothing be lost. That nothing be lost. Say it with me today. That nothing be lost. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Lord, for this day that you've made, we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray right now that you would move in this service, God. I pray that you would have your way in this moment, God. Lord, I thank you for bringing us together. Help us to be in one mind and one accord right now, Lord. Help the saints of God to enter into this service today, spiritually, Lord. Help us, Lord, to realize that we're warring in the Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, touch us today. Move in our hearts, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to help that preacher preach today. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, the story of this man going to employ workers into his field. Now we understand the typology is of Jesus calling us into the kingdom. And in Matthew verse 20, there are a number of times that this landowner goes out to employ workers into the kingdom. And the Bible says he first goes out early in the morning. Everybody say early. Early in the morning he goes out and he finds people that could be employed. And he calls them into work into the kingdom. This tells us that Jesus begins to reach into the heart of a man or a woman very early in the morning. Jesus doesn't wait till the last minute to reach into the heart of a man and begin to draw him. Jesus begins very early in the morning. In fact, I would say the vast majority of you sitting here today, uh, Jesus reaching into your life didn't happen 
in the later portions of your day. Jesus began to reach towards you very early in the morning in your life. You say, well, I didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. But there were probably moments that were God moments very early in your life. The Bible also tells us not only did the landowner go out early, but the third and the sixth and the ninth hour. That's 9 a.m., that's straight up noon, and that's 3 p.m. And a lot can happen in the middle of your life. 9 a.m., the challenges of adolescence and early adulthood. The noonday in your life when the sun is hot, it's hard work. You're raising a family. You're redefining the process, the purpose in the middle of your life. You're at that middle point of life. 3 p.m., you recognize now that you're closer to the sunset than you are to the sunrise. You realize now you have just a few more effective hours to do anything with your life at 3 p.m. The Lord says He went at 9, He went at noon, and He went at 3 p.m. He just keeps on bidding workers to come. He just keeps on calling. He just keeps on knocking on the door. It doesn't matter what station in life you find yourself today. Jesus is knocking on your heart's door today. But then we come to our text. The Bible says in Matthew 20 and verse 6, about the 11th hour, He went out. That's 5 p.m. It's just one hour before official uh, Jewish quitting time. Just one hour before the day is done. Just one hour before the sun is set. And Satan would lie to you and tell you in the 11th hour, you're too late. You're too far gone. You're beyond hope and beyond salvation. Beyond redemption. Beyond any chance. You've missed too many opportunities. You've messed up too many chances. And the enemy would say, he surely doesn't want you to go to work in the last hour. But we find Jesus saying at the 11th hour, he went out. And he found people standing idle. And he says, why are you standing idle while it is still day? While you have an opportunity, why is there no motion in your feet? Why is there no drive in your spirit to work in the kingdom? Yes, you've missed the early morning call. Yes, you've missed the 9 a.m. call. Yes, you're in the middle of your life and you missed that call. 3 p.m., you've blown past that invitation. But he's there in the 11th hour knocking. Don't miss this chance. Don't miss this opportunity. Oh, somebody ought to hear what I am saying. I don't know how many altar calls you've endured, but I'm telling you today, don't miss this one. I don't know how many sermons you've sat through, but I'm telling you now, don't miss this one. The day is almost over. The day is almost spent. (laughs) Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Praise God. Come on, praise Him right now. Come on, lift up your praise to the Lord right now. Lord, help me to hear this word today. 
I'm not only preaching to those here today that may be standing idle in the day of your opportunity, but I'm also preaching to this church I'm privileged to pastor. You see, we're in a danger in our attitude of defining our thrust for one soul. Our attitude many times we imply uh, by our attitude that some, uh, for some it's just too late. For some it's just too difficult. For some it's they're just too lost. But I'm praying God change our attitude as a people. I know you went to work for God at 9 a.m., but don't you ever get the attitude that the one at the last hour is not as important as the one that came in the morning. Come on, I'm telling you, Jesus has the same reward for the person that worked all day and the person that showed up in the last hour. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I don't, I don't know what happened in those moments. I have no idea. I wasn't there. It was God ordered for me not to be there. But my dad, who was backslidden away from God for many 50 plus years, when he died on his kitchen floor, there were nine bottles of J&B whiskey, liters of J&B whiskey that had been gone through in a matter of six days. Now I want to tell you this, God consoled me in that matter because I'd prayed for God as long as I've not, for God to touch my dad, as long as I knew how to pray but God reassured me that in that moment on that floor in that kitchen that God was there although I couldn't be there and I'm consoled by this fact today that I know in the last moment that the Lord of the harvest is going out to find one more soul I'm here to tell somebody right now, the devil doesn't want you to hear this message, but I'm here to tell somebody, it's never too late, you're never too lost, there's never too much water under the bridge. Come on, somebody ought to, somebody that is saved ought to thank God you are saved. Oh, come on, praise him right now. I want to address it today. I want to speak firmly about it. When the enemy tries to come rob this seed, I want you to say, no, that was so good seed, I don't want anybody to take it from me. I want you to hold on to it. The devil will tell you that you've wasted your years and there's no hope for you. But I'm telling you the Lord of the harvest in the 11th hour of your life, he's still looking for you to be employed in his kingdom. This tells me that the divine thrust for your soul never stops. You ought to take hope today. That ought, there ought to be, yes, Blake, praise God. There ought to be some more praise gods in here. That tells me that the divine thrust from heaven for your soul never stops. That God just keeps on reaching for you. And you ignore him and he keeps on reaching for you. That tells me God never quits on any man or any woman. Regardless of what the church does, God never quits on anybody.
Oh, I'm, I'm talking about our attitude. I don't want to quit on anybody either. I don't want you to quit on anybody either. Because, oh, he never gives up. That's amazing to me that God in the 11th hour in a man's life will just keep on knocking. I'm thinking about people that I'm privileged to pastor today and they once knew the Lord and they battle every day with what they call wasted years but I want to tell you right now in God there are no wasted years Come on, the 11th hour guy standing there idly by, the Bible doesn't say Jesus walked up and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for all the time you've wasted. That didn't come out of the master's lips. He said, why are you still standing here? There's something for you to do also. Come on, it's not too late. Oh, give the Lord a good hand clap today. Nothing will be lost that nothing be lost John 6 and verse 12 I'll jump into this verse and then we'll close John 6 and verse 12 when they were filled he said unto his disciples gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost Get the fragments, because I don't want anything wasted. That tells me that when all said and done, and the crowd's fed, and they're, they're not hungry anymore, and everybody kind of wipes their hands and says, man, that meal was wonderful. That Jesus is not focused on how many are now satisfied. He is still focused on something that remains. And he says, you know what? There's been a great miracle here, but there's still something to salvage. So what does that tell me as I look across this congregation? I can say there's been a great miracle here. There are people sitting under the sound of my voice that used to be on drugs, used to be alcoholics, that had lost their mind, and Jesus gave them hope. But I'm telling you, in the middle of all these miracles, there's still something in this room that can be salvaged. Somebody here ought to have hope today. Jesus wants you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Jesus wants me. You would think with everybody fed, there'd be not much interest with the leftovers. You ever been sitting at Thanksgiving and get all full? Somebody says, what are we going to do with the rest of this turkey? I'm too full to eat anymore. Maybe we ought to take it to the neighbors. Maybe we ought to give it to the dog. Maybe we ought to make turkey salad out of it and eat for the next month on it. None of that sounds too good when you're full of turkey. You just think, well, I don't know what else to do. Somebody says, I'll boil that carcass and I'll make me some good bone broth out of it. Don't you kind of hate those kind of people? You're sitting there stuffed to the gills and they're talking about what they're going to do with all the leftovers. Most of us walk out of the kitchen with the leftovers. 
But a lot were in there visiting, watching the Thanksgiving football game and the pie. <laughs> the meringue starts sweating. The turkey gets cold. The dressing starts getting hard. And you walk back in there and you think, I don't want to even look at this stuff. That's the way we are. But Jesus said, gather up the fragments so that nothing be lost. I want you to hear that today, church, that says everybody in this community that we're called to minister to, Jesus wants everything saved. I'm not talking about white people or black people or brown people or green people or purple people for that matter. All lives matter to Jesus. No, you're not hearing me. I said everything matters to Jesus. Every soul. Every guy sitting in jail right now. Every lady in a nursing home right now. Let nothing be lost. Every child that has to be so drugged up where they can sit in their chair on a Wednesday night in that kid's church room. Don't ever forget Jesus said, give me the fragments. Because I don't want nothing going to waste. I don't want anything wasted. Man, I don't know about you, but that puts some energy in my feet today. Because I can't tell you how many times I felt useless. How many times I felt wasted. And Jesus said, oh no. I'll take even the fragments left over. Come on somebody right now, lift your hand. Say, Lord, thank you that you're the Lord of the fragments. So what is it in your life that's broken into pieces, shattered, left over? Picked over by the devil. Nobody wants what's left. A fragment is a small shard of pottery that gives an archaeologist a clue. He's digging in the dirt. He doesn't have to find the whole city of Atlantis. All he needs is to find a piece. He doesn't need to find some lost civilization all in one chunk. All he needs to find is a piece of clay. He'll find one arrowhead and said, uh-oh, there's a lot more here than I realized. And isn't that the way Jesus deals with us? He doesn't come celebrating all of your gifts. No, he'll just take the fragment. The piece of our lives that we try to desperately hold together. The medical condition that affects your every decision. The fragments. The fragment. Your attention span. Uh, Our orientation to be task oriented. Losing ourselves in the process. Our lives are so fragmented. Your mind is fragmented right now while I'm preaching. In fact, we need a good defrag. A good wiping out of all that stuff that doesn't matter. Jesus wants all of it. That nothing be lost. We see there's hope for everyone. Jesus always sees there's more here. There's more here. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that that lad brought five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. But the leftovers were more than what they started with. That tells me there's a feast that remains with just the fragments. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I want them to come to the music. I feel the Holy Ghost here speaking to somebody. I've often thought about, in fact, I made it a study, King Manasseh. He was already bad when he started. He started in the ninth hour of his life. He was 12 years old. 12 years old, he became king. Can you imagine life if 12-year-olds were our rulers? What if 12-year-olds ran the nation? Yeah, you hear that rumbling? Some of you think a 12-year-old is running our nation. That's for another sermon. What would happen if 12-year-olds were in charge? Manasseh was 12 years old when he took the throne. No wonder it was bad. He didn't even know who he was when he was 12 years old. His frontal lobe didn't even develop till he was about 25. He didn't even understand consequences until he was 10 or 15 years later. He made decisions that he didn't know how it was going to affect people. He was 12 years old. There's some of you sitting here today that in the ninth and the twelfth hour or ninth and are in the third and, and sixth hour of your lives, you made decisions that today you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. Man, I wish I could go back and redo that one. Oh, anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And it didn't get better. The third hour of his day led to the noon of his life, and it got worse. He sat on the throne of Jerusalem for 55 years. You want to you know what was going on? It's in your Bible, 2 Kings 21, verse 2. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he reared up altars to Baal, for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel. And worshipped all the hosts of heaven, the stars, the zodiac. And served them and built altars in the house of the Lord. Of which the Lord said in Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his sons pass through the fire. Do you hear that? He sacrificed his own children to his false gods and he observed times and used enchantments he became a witch and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger that's King Manasseh that's the early portion of his life. 2 Kings 21.9 But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them, the people of God, to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord had destroyed. Look at that. The Lord says the nation of Israel became worse than the people I destroyed. Verse 16, Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much. Listen to that. He was killing children by the thousands till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other beside his sin wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And with that read, three 
verses, three stanzas in the book of Second Chronicle or Second Kings. With that read, if that's the end of his days, then it wouldn't be hard for us to write Manasseh off. He's killed children by the hundreds and thousands. He sacrificed his own children. He's become a witch and gotten into enchantments. He's tore down the altar in the temple and made it look like a place of idolatry. Most of us would have written him off. But in 2 Kings chapter 21 verse 12, Therefore saith the Lord God of Israel, God got mad about it also. Behold, I'm bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and I and the plummet of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them unto the hand of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies. Are you hearing what the Lord saying they've wasted the third hour the twelfth hour or or the the third and the sixth and the ninth hour it's getting late Manasseh God's upset to make matters worse remember Manasseh is the son of Hezekiah Manasseh is only alive because Hezekiah was sick unto death and he was about to die and he turned his face to the wall and he said, Lord, if you're gracious, you'll give me 15 more years. And God granted that man his request. Manasseh was a child born of an answered prayer. It wasn't too long later, Hezekiah had his last child. And it was Manasseh, this guy. The answer to a prayer. And look what's happened in his life. But oh, thank God that's not the end of the story. I don't know what kind of wreck you've made of your life and you say God's mad at me. I've prayed and He don't hear me. I've asked and He doesn't answer me. That's not the end. Oh, it's, it may be the 11th hour. Still knocking. Suddenly, Manasseh, that evil king, God said, Man, when I get done with you, everybody that hears what I've done, their ears are going to vibrate. It's going to be such a story. God says, I'm going to wipe Israel up like you wipe a dish and turn it over. Suddenly, Manasseh, God, it gets bad and it's getting worse. Manasseh is a prisoner. He's taken prison by Babylon prisoner by Babylon. He's being transported back to Babylon. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 verse 12 when he was in affliction he besought the Lord his God and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and he prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew That the Lord was God. See, Manasseh's story of his life wasn't very good. And the sun was setting.
Manasseh had passed the prime of his opportunity. It is no longer early in the morning. It's no longer the third or the sixth or the ninth hour. Those opportunities have been wasted. Those hours of his life have been given to hell. All that was left was the eleventh hour and God was still reaching. What am I preaching to you? That nothing be lost. Do you hear that? That nothing be lost. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this for a moment. That Jesus doesn't want anything wasted. That needs to settle on you right now because... There used to be a song we'd sing years ago. Thank God we don't sing it anymore because it's not theologically correct. Anybody remember it? Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. One of the most depressing songs you'll ever hear. Some of the backsliders' favorite because we can get up and weep about all the time we've wasted. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus doesn't want anything lost. Wait, are you telling me that when Manasseh took the throne and from 12 years old, 53 years later, when he finally prays a prayer and say, God, I'm in a bad place and I need you. What I'm saying to you is those 40 or those 30 plus years that seemed like they were wasted, they weren't wasted. Jesus redeemed them all. No, no, you're not hearing me. No, no. What about that story in Luke chapter 15? A lost sheep that doesn't know he's lost. A lost coin that although he's in the church, his value is gone. What about that boy that's a long way from home? Jesus tells you in all three cases, nothing gets lost. All three of them are found. Nothing's wasted. You remember that, don't you? Joyce, he leaves 99 in the fold and said, no, I'm not going to let this one get lost. No, I'm not going to let anything be lost. I'll take the fragments. I'll take the piece of an ear and the two hind legs. If nothing's left, I'll take what's left and redeem it all. What about that coin? Jesus said it. That little woman knows it's lost its value. It cannot be used unless I find it. So she just sweeps. And she keeps sweeping. And she moves the chairs. And she moves the table. And she rearrange, She pulls the rug back. Because she's got to find it. I'll tell you right now, Jesus is sweeping your house today. Where are you? I'm... I'm I'm not going to let you be lost. What about that boy? Oh, well, Brother Gene, nothing's going to be lost. Oh, that's fancy preaching. What about that boy that was a long way from home? Isn't that the whole story, really? What, what are you telling me? Are you saying that the pig pen wasn't wasted? No. As long as it woke that boy up.
Are you telling me 50 plus years of my dad being an alcoholic were wasted? No, not if in the last 10 minutes he was on his knees saying, God, I made a terrible mistake. Jesus saved it all. No, you're not hearing me. He doesn't forfeit all the bad stuff and say, no, I don't want to think about it. No, he takes the bad stuff. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. He saved it all that nothing be lost. Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. Man, I... I Think about all the fragments of your life. Jesus says, I'm going to reach today because I don't want anything lost. 2 Chronicles 33 and 15, the story's not over yet. Manasseh, he's he's got just one hour left. He's in the sunset of his life. What did he do? He prayed a prayer and God heard it. And he took away the strange gods and the idols out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out into the, of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and he sacrificed on it peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. I'm here to tell somebody, God never gives up. It's never too late. Parent, keep on praying for that lost child. Child, keep on praying for that wayward parent. It's never too late. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost up here. I don't know what you're feeling out there, but it feels like fire up here. Come on, young person, don't wait till your life's a wreck and you don't have much left to give. Yeah, God will take it. God will never give up on you, but I wish you wouldn't give up on God. You may think the situation's lost, but God says, I don't want anything lost. Oh, come on, let's reach out unto the Lord. Saint, you ought to lift your voice and pray right now. Hallelujah! Let the redeemed of the Lord say so right now. I'm closing. Come on, everything points to the fact that it's just too late. But let this keep ringing in your soul. And it was about the 11th hour. And he went out and found others. Say that to yourself about your children. Say that to yourself about your kids. Say that to yourself about your marriage. Church, say that to yourself about this community. And about the 11th hour, he went out. Yeah. Most of us... Hear me now. Most of us would have found another house to knock on the door. We would have written off the prostitute Rahab. Oh, we're not stopping here. But the gospel came to Rahab's house.
and she believed and she became a character in the bloodline of the coming Messiah talk about her all those years every night a different man and maybe multiple men every night and all those years of fragmenting her soul but in one moment you're not hearing me in one moment God changed all of it And you know what he did just to upset all the pure bloods? He said, all of you think royalty has to do with keeping your line pure? I'm going to stick a prostitute right in the middle of the bloodline of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's never too late. Nothing is ever too lost. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Yeah. Most of us would have written off the woman at the well of Samaria. Five husbands. She happens to be cohabitating at the present. How can you use a person like that? At the 11th hour, he went out. Most of us would have written off Saul of Tarsus. By his own admission in 1 Timothy, he says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious of the church. He was a killer. We'd have written him off a long time ago. He's going to have to go preach somewhere else. We don't... We don't take his kind around here. Jesus, it was never too late with Jesus. Most of us would have written off a centurion who had overseen the crucifixion. Men that would do that to somebody are too hard and too calloused. They're just unreachable. But when that man saw the earth shake, he looked up at that man hanging on that cross and he said, Truly, this is the Son of God. It's never too late. Most of us would have written off a thief dying a few feet from Jesus. He's getting what a life of crime has dictated. He would be executed that day. Yes, he's going he's to reap what he has sowed. He's a lost cause, right? Oh no. Even though the circumstances are not going to change, the capital punishment and the judgment for his sin has already been executed. And in the process of being executed, in his 11th hour, Jesus said, Oh no, I'm not going to let a wasted life be in him. I'm not going to let this man be lost like this. Never, <laughs> never too late. He was a lost cause. Oh, but at least there's still a cause. And Jesus snatched him from hell in the final moments of the game. The devil thought, man, I'm fixing to kill this one. Put another notch on my belt. But Jesus grabbed him right before he fell headlong into eternity. Grabbed him. You're going with me today. 
Let's not complicate it with whys and hows and wheres. Wait a minute. He saved him on the cross, before the cross. Let's not get into all that nitpicking. That's what the Pharisees do. They sit and talk all day about this. Jesus said, here's the fact. Nobody is it ever too late to reach. I'm reaching him right now. Today you're going with me. That tells me there's a market for 11th hour members of the human race. Yep. Samson's going to win again. I know his eyes are out. I know he's a shell of a man he was before. But it's not over yet. There's one more win in him. No, you're not. Oh, I wish somebody hear me right now. The devil's got you so beat telling you it's over. But I'm here to tell you it's not over. It's not over. Yeah. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. Yeah, but Naomi, you got one more chance. Your bitterness is going to be turned into joy. Yeah, there's always going to be a doeg in your life, just like in the life of David. That when everything's against you and doeg says you're nothing but a dog. I don't even have time to throw you my scraps. There's always a doag in your life that says they're nothing. They'll never be anything. But David was not down and out. God hadn't finished the story yet. And so, he has come to you today. Through the foolishness of this preaching, Jesus has found you and he's telling you again that he needs you and you may ask what's the use it's never too late to start I've come to tell you if you can be saved Jesus will save you I'm going to say that again If you can be saved, Jesus will save you. Now, I'm not going to beat my brains out against that wall over there when somebody comes up and says, well, I've asked God to save me a hundred thousand times and He hadn't saved me. That's not God's fault. If something can be found, He'll find it. Lynn, you're a living testimony that if God can find somebody, He'll find them. I don't care where you were raised or how you were raised. Come on now. Come on, Amy O'Dell. You're a living testimony that you can be raised in a church that doesn't know anything about the truth. But God knows how to find you. If you can be found, God will find you. That tells me if you want to be saved, you've got a grand opportunity today. If you want Jesus, you can find him. I'll clap your hands, man. If you were lost, I'll tell you right now, if you were lost, it will be the first thing God has ever lost. Think about it. He said, 
In my book, nothing's going to be lost. I didn't mean everybody's saved regardless of what they do. But I want to tell you right now, the only way you're going to be lost is because you want to be lost. Jesus is never going to lose you. I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. I don't want to bring, I've referred to it a number of times. I don't want to bring back any bad memories, but I was sitting beside her bed just a few hours before she would get her reward. That dear old saint of God who had come back to church and God had miraculously touched an 11th hour worker who had been away from God for years and walked down an aisle and I watched God just touch her heart, refill her with the Holy Ghost. I was sitting by that bed and we were singing and praying and all of a sudden if I've ever heard God, I was praying about her family and Lord, touch her family. Surely they're, you know, they're going to need you and, and th- this is such a connection to all these people and they're going to miss her and all of a sudden it's like God screamed in my spirit. She is mine. I bought her with my own blood. I'm thinking about our church. Oh, we're going to miss. And oh, Lord, she's important to us. and She's important to them. And all of a sudden, the Lord just leveled all of it. She's not any of yours. She's mine. Oh. I don't know if I could hear any more comforting words that when it's time to cross in that 11th hour that the Lord said, this one's mine. This one's mine. If I've heard my pastor once, I've heard it many times. He said, you better be careful who you serve. Because when the sun is going down and you're in your 11th hour, the God you have worshipped is coming to get your soul. And in that moment, I don't want the bottle coming to get me. And I don't want drugs coming to get me. And I... Oh. I want the Lord to say, that one's mine. Nothing's lost. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. It's one of my favorites. I know I'm getting older, so we might as well start pre-planning So just make a note. If you gather with my family and say, family, what were some of his favorite songs? Here's one of them. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. What a message that it's never too late. In closing, I want to read Isaiah 53, verse 1. This is in the New Living Translation, so it'll be easy for all of us to grasp. I won't need to interpret it. 
who has believed our message, to whom has our Lord revealed His powerful arm. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about His appearance, nothing to attract us to Him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on Him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for His own sin. But He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like all of us, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. That's why I can preach today for much longer than I wanted. That nothing be lost. You know how that can be said? Because He's already paid the price for all your sins. It's already taken care of. The devil's keeping you in guilt and saying it's so bad you don't ever want to tell God everything you've done. He's already paid for it. Nothing's lost right now. Right now. No matter how far you are away from God, it's not lost. The moment you come to Jesus, it's paid for. It's paid for now. Come on, stand together right now with everyone in the house of God. I want you to reach over.